Welcome to Study Religion, the podcast produced by the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. I'm your host, Professor Mike Altman. It has been a while since we appeared in your podcast feed, but now semester is over here at Manley Hall. Students have left and it's starting to get warm. Soon it will be hot and humid, which means it's summer. And now we have some time to put together new episodes of the podcast and catch folks up on what's happened around the Department of Religious Studies this past year. Uh, What I want to bring is the first of a few shorter episodes of the podcast. Uh, And in this episode, I want to bring listeners into a conversation that happened here in Manly Hall recently. We welcomed uh, Dr. Tim Jensen from the University of Southern Denmark to Tuscaloosa to give our annual Aronov lecture, an annual lecture we give every spring. And while he was here, Dr. Jensen also spent some time sitting down with Professor Richard Newton and a few of our religion and culture graduate students to discuss the field and his role in it as the president of the International Association for the Study of Religion, or the IAHR. I want to share a bit of that conversation as Dr. Jensen discussed the history of the IHAR, its role in the field, and how he sees the purpose of the academic study of religion. I also think this is a very cool example of the sorts of scholars uh, and that we bring into our department, of the international reach of our department, and the, the great experiences our graduate students get in a smaller program like ours. But uh, Dr. Jensen, when he starts this conversation, uh, does, as all good guests should, he opens by complimenting his hosts. I think that this is a unique place in terms of the study of religions, uh, not only probably in the United States, but, uh, but worldwide. Your international experience probably puts you in a, a small cohort of um, working scholars who really have a, a strong sense and background working outside a particular continent, outside a particular country. I'm wondering if that was something that you went out to accomplish in your academic work from the get-go to think internationally and working at an international level. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all? No, no, no. I wanted to become a professional soccer player. And uh, I had no idea about studying religion and having an academic career. I, I was extremely disappointed not to become a professional soccer player. Uh, I'm not going to go into details, but uh, that was what I wanted. And uh, then at some point very early in my life, I realized that I could not use my hands for anything. So I could not become a carpenter or anything else sort of useful. Um, so I had to go into academia. Um, I, I simply had to in order to make a living. So after the upper secondary school, uh, I looked around, what could I do? I called the one professor in Copenhagen at the study of religions, it was called history of religions at that time department, asked him, what are the requirements? How can I get enrolled and start after summer in the semester for the study of religions? He said, no problem, you just go and register. Fine, I said. And then I started to study religions, comparative religion. So. I had no plans whatsoever to have a life within the academia. And then I ended up with what was called a Magister Conference, highly specialized in ancient Greek religion, but that means only a fragment of it 
namely the religion, or whatever you want to call it, you find in the Homeric epics, the Iliad and the Odyssey. And my special field was, the interest I had was this, the, the concept of Hebrus. You, you, you have heard about that, right? And I had the idea from reading a little bit that it was not at all something about insulting the gods or nemesis or all that. I had the idea that, that it was all about human beings. It was, what do you call it? This way, it was not like this, horizontal right? Horizontal and not yeah. vertical. Exactly, yeah. right? It was horizontal and not vertical. And I was convinced that that, that was how it was. And uh, then I sat there and typewriting my dissertation, 400 pages. And I think one or two persons in life have ever read it. That's it. <laughs> then I defended it, but the defense had nothing to do with the subject matter. I was uh, tested on um, the theory of uh, Mannhardt, Wald und Feldkulte, the history of the research of religion. We had the Forschungsgeschichte, everything you say that you have here. That included one way or the other theory of method. But at that time, back in the early 70s, nobody mentioned the word theory. Nobody mentioned the word method. Nobody at all. <laughs> That's just how, how it was. Then I was there after 10 years of study of history of religions, comparative religion, and there was nothing to use it for because in Denmark at that time, that was 1980, we had one professor in Aarhus, one professor in Copenhagen, one assistant professor each place. We had about some 10 students, master students, both places all together. So there was no hope for me to ever get a position at the university because there were no students. It was plenty with two professors. What I did was that I finished my, 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 my degree and then I took an extra degree in Altertumswissenschaft. That is sort of ancient culture, religion, Greek, Roman, architecture, etc. Because that made it possible for me to apply for a position in upper secondary school because you had to have two subjects there. You couldn't go and teach with one. That, that was unheard of. So I finally got a position in 81 in an upper secondary school teaching religion, non-confessional religious education on the one hand and Altertumswissenschaft on the other. Lots of Homeric epics and, and so on. And I loved that. That was for 15 years I was, uh, I was employed there. Then 15 years later, uh, I moved to the university because there was an opening. And because over these 15 years in the 80s, the number of students who had figured out that it was interesting to study religion had just gone like this. It was incredible. It had to do with the whole democratization of the university. Many more people came to the university. They came to upper secondary school in larger numbers, but they also came to the university. And that meant that at a certain point in the mid-90s, I could get a position in a third place in Denmark, in Odense, where they had established a study of religions in the early 80s, but they were sort of developing. So that was it. I have written an article about that for, from, from 10 students to 1,000 students, from two professors to 38 professors within a span of about 15, 20 years. So that was how it was in Denmark. And, and I have tried to also analyze the reasons for this, but 
but this is sort of my story. So then I came to the academia, and the only reason I managed to get a position was that I had managed to not only teach an upper secondary level, you will teach 22 to 25 lectures per week. But I also had managed to write a few articles, have an extra position at the university. So I, I sort of was okay for the university. I could, they could hire me. <laughs> and I got that position. Started there in uh, Odense, and uh, a few years later I became head of the department, and uh, we managed to develop it, so it became a, a department that was sort of able to compete with the big places in Copenhagen and Aarhus. And uh, we gradually increased the number of staff, the number of students. And today we are a mid, we are in between. We are not a, a big department, but we are not a small department, and we are making still good money. We have a very good reputation in Denmark and internationally. And I would say that what happened very early, coming back to your question, was that I figured out that I like to teach. It was as head of the Union of Teachers for Religious Education. I very soon became head of that. I always become head of something. <laughs> this is what I like to do. So it doesn't have to be international. <laughs> it's, it's also national. And, uh, and, and then I became very soon after I had entered the university at, at this, I became the um, president of the Danish Association for, uh, for the study of religion. Before that, I had been launching a journal called Chaos on the study of religion in Copenhagen. And uh, we had a small association where we gave lectures. And the first lecturer we had was Eric Sharp. So uh, he was the first professor I welcomed as a young student. And uh, I, uh, I booked a room for him in the most fashionable hotel in Copenhagen. And I bought flowers and I put flowers uh, in the room to make sure that he liked it. <laughs> And uh, I mean, it was it was very much fun. And uh, Sharp was a very nice guy, and he gave the first first lecture uh, we had in that. So I got into it and becoming president of the Danish Association. I was president for seven years. Then in 2000, um, I was there when they founded the European Association for the Study of Religion, not History of Religions, in Krakow, in Poland. And it was sort of a, a child of the IHR. It was Michael Pye, it was Armin Goertz, other these very prominent figures who, who thought that it was time to have a European association. And uh, I became the first general secretary of the ESR, and I was general secretary to, from 1999 to 2004. And in 2005, I was elected general secretary of the IHR in Tokyo, 2005. And, and, and it has become sort of my passion now that I couldn't become a soccer player. And I became the entrepreneur. And, and, and I don't know what is, what is going to happen to the IHR in the future. It has been here since 1950. Uh, I have called as a president for a summit meeting <laughs> in uh, September 2019 in Delphi, in Greece. So I'm going, I'm retracing my steps, so I'm going back. I was the one who, I would say that, persuaded a lot of people that we had to have the AAR as a member. And uh, with the help of the AAR and with the help of NASA people, actually. Was that an answer to your question?
It was. It was long, right? Very I much know. So. Well, I mean, but it's a great answer. But it's, a, it's sort of important for me to say that, that yeah, I, I do believe that I have been part of a mission. I, uh, I fight for a, for a better world. I fight for a better society. I uh, just happen to think that, that an open, democratic, pluralist, etc., society is better off with than without a scientific study of religion. But I have done all of this in my life, so I have been an activist. So you say international, I say entrepreneur, I say activist in order to promote the study of religion in many ways. And, and uh, I have done other things that I can also be very open about now that I'm so old as I am, even if I'm the president. I have arranged for interreligious uh, dialogue meetings uh, where I have been asked to uh, find the right persons from the various religious communities and put them together to discuss, for instance, the ecological crisis. Now, when I say this, it's because when I promote the IHR, I promote an altogether much stricter version of what is sort of the main task for a scholar of religion. I just read uh, the, uh, the draft for the uh, criteria for accepting papers for um, Otaka in 2020, and our statement about the, uh, the uh, sort of non-confessional, non-apologetic, etc., it's there. So a paper that can be seen to have just the slightest of that will not be accepted. We don't want it. And this is where we have tightened up our profile since I came in in 2005 after Tokyo. Because in Tokyo there was a little bit of it. Again, there was something in Durban. But we, 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 we think that this is important. But again, I don't know if this is something of a total consensus nowadays. The first piece of evidence of that was the 1958 um, sort of out-of-the-way Congress in Tokyo. Normally it would be 1955 that it was in Rome, then it should have been 1960, but then they had one in 1958 in Tokyo. And that was because they started to work together with UNESCO. This is another very important thing in the history of the IHR that I'll come back to. And UNESCO in Paris funded the, the, the beginning of Newman and uh, together with Brill, publisher. But can younger generations still see the future of themselves and the IHR in the statement of Fablovsky and in our sort of pledging ourselves to sort of be true to this or not? So I think that, that when, when after Tokyo 2005, we once again had sort of this coming back, to Tokyo 1958, Tokyo 2005. And in Tokyo 2005, there was a sincere criticism of the program for having too many religious people there, for being too much into inter-religious communication, peace, etc., and having the study of religion contribute to tolerance, human rights, etc. And that was the reason why the General Assembly, International Committee, told the incoming Executive Committee, you have to tighten up. And that's when we added this sentence to the first article that's going to be no apologetics, etc., right? And I think if 
looking at other sort of narrations of the history of the field, um, we see other crises. It seems to me that those crises actually come out of sort of the theoretical edges of what's being debated within those fields. I mean, if you look at Kippenberg and talking about sort of enlightenment history and how we worked that out in the 19th and 20th century, or uh, Tomoko Masazawa's work on the invention of world religions, there seem to be these questions um, that are being raised about, have we taken this current trajectory to its end, and what are the new questions we must mm -hmm. be asking about ourselves as mm -hmm. either um, scientists of religion or somehow apolitical actors or whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. And I wonder if the question of globalization as it's being raised here and um, hopefully in Delphi as well, uh, will, the, will the critiques there come about because of the theoretical work that happens the science of religion as opposed to um, a desire for pluralism and intercultural dialogue mm -hmm. and agendas being yeah. imported rapidly. I'm, I'm sure, but, but I mean, it has been part, of course, and I think that's only good, it is part also of our constitution uh, to talk about diversity. The whole executive committee is constituted with regard to diversity, geographical, gender, etc. I think one of the tensions there too, especially as the, the International Association grows, is thinking about how to wrestle with the history in a critically appropriate manner of, you know, the history of how is it that we got interested in studying here and in these places? And I think you've been quite forthright in discussing, you know, your own interest in how you've narrated that and navigated that in these different spaces. But I think as, as new conversation partners are brought to the table, they start looking at other people's past and say, well, what do I do with that? Can I take that as a, a study and, and study that or is that something I need to make a stand on? Yeah. This is this is why I find it um, worthwhile doing, and 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 uh, I'm just trying to do my little part of it. But it is a very complicated field. This is this is why I want to have sort of a representation on the board, as we have it. This is why we want to have diversity. We want to learn from people who are sitting there. We want to learn from people who want to do the study, but who has local knowledge. If we don't have that local knowledge, we're not going to move. Uh, but it's a, it's a difficult thing. And you've given us great ideas to think through and, and challenges to think through. We also have uh, the book that you've been referring to um, with the Newman imprint, The Academic Study of Religion and the IAHR, Past, Present, and Prospects, edited by yourself and Armin Geertz, uh, which you can check out, and we'll have a link on our website for the podcast. Thank you very much. And let me add a thing. Thank you for the conversation. I think that when you read this, you will see that there are lots of questions to be, to be posed, answered. So we can improve in terms of globalization in many, many ways. But we have to find the right balance between globalization and expansion for the sake of globalization and expansion, and then for the sake of strengthening, empowering, so let me call it the academic scientific study of religion. Because this is, I think, our raison d'etre. This is why we are there. And uh, I, just, I just hope that we can collaborate with scholars all around the world also in the future to improve, to become better. So thank you for, for being here. And I, 
my final thing is just always to ask young scholars, and that is you people sitting around this table, never stop asking questions. Asking questions, that's, that's what it means to be a, a scholar. So this is what I want professors to do, that is to force students to think for themselves. So everything I've said, don't listen to me. Don't. Go your own way. Okay. A big thanks to Professor Richard Newton, who uh, hosted that conversation with Dr. Tim Jensen. Thanks also to Tim Jensen for taking the time uh, with our graduate students to talk about the field and the IHAR. A lot in that conversation. That was just a small portion of what was like an hour-long uh, time they had together. Um, but that was just some key bits for the podcast audience. I think it's valuable to remember that the study of religion is an international field. And too often we in America fail to engage and interact with our colleagues in Europe and around the world. Study Religion is a production of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. For more information on our department, go to www.religion.ua.edu or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rel at ua. Have a comment or question about the podcast? You can email us at religiousstudies at ua.edu or reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at at studyreligion. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us in iTunes and leave us a comment and a rating. That helps other folks find the show. Makes you a very giving person. Study Religion is produced by me, Mike Altman, with help from our production assistant, Sierra Lawson, and the faculty of the Department of Religious Studies. Our opening theme is Two Minute Warning by Stefan Kartenberg, and this closing theme is Saturday Night by Texas Radio Fish. Both are used under Creative Commons license. Until our next episode, Roll Tide.